So in this reality, organizations uh, basically can't assume that every user is trusted anymore. So it's basically you know, almost like you need to assume people are guilty until proven innocent uh, and not the opposite. Right? That's all zero trust approach, meaning that we need to verify everyone and we can assume that users are trusted. Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and active directory security expert, Sean Duby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HIT Podcast. My guest today is Head Kovitz. Head is the CEO and co-founder of Silverfort, which is a provider of agentless next-generation authentication solutions. Before founding Silverfort, Head had served in product leadership positions in various companies in the industry, and he was also, back in the day, a group leader at the 8200 Elite Cyber Unit of the Israeli Defense Forces, where he received the unit's Excellence Awards and the Chief of Intelligence Corps Award for Innovation. So that gives you a varied background, Head. It's nice to talk to you today. How are you? Uh, very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. And I'm talking to you in Tel Aviv right now, right? Yeah, I'm in Tel Aviv. You know, all the rage in Unavoidable today, we're all talking about COVID. We're all talking about from a cyber viewpoint, cybersecurity, the, the stampede of everybody to working remotely. And one of the things that I see that has come out of it is an interest in modernizing networks. People have been taught, a lot of companies have been reading about it and, you know, considering what to do, but not really moving forward. And all of a sudden, this has become a very high priority. So the popular buzzword today is zero trust networks, which is yeah. a very different environment from our traditional on-premises environments. So I wonder if you could help us out a little bit and help us understand what uh, a zero trust network is, what the promise is, and what are some of the difficulties that we face when you have a company that is mostly on-premises how do you reconcile on-premises with zero trust? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to to uh, explain a bit about zero trust and, and also some of the challenges organizations are, are seeing in actually implementing it. This idea really comes from the fact that corporate networks have changed a lot over the last years. You know, if you look a few years back, you know, corporate networks were, were very well-defined with a clear perimeter. Most of the people were inside the office connecting you know, from the, the corporate devices uh, locally into all kinds of resources. And the assumption was that these users are, are normally trusted. So it would, you know, you would need a reason to assume somebody is not trusted. Like if some, you know, some of the security products would detect any kind of, uh, of suspicious activity. But now a lot of companies are shifting the way they are thinking about this and basically saying, if people are connected from everywhere, and that's especially true now during COVID. People are connecting from you know, every location, every device. You can't really control where they're coming from. They are also accessing a lot of different resources. Some of them are on-prem, some of them are in the cloud. Uh, you have IoT, you have all kinds of different things. And it's a new reality where everything is connected to everything without necessarily going the local on-prem environment. 
So in this reality, organizations uh, basically can't assume that every user is trusted anymore. So it's basically and almost like you need to assume people are guilty until proven, until proven innocent uh, and not the opposite. Right? That's all zero trust approach, meaning that we need to verify everyone and we can assume that users are trusted. So what you're saying is that on a traditionally in a corporate network, if they were on the corporate network, the fact that they are on the corporate network meant that they were trustworthy and moving away from that stance. Yeah, I mean, you can you can easily argue that this is, is something that organizations believe in uh, and they don't have a good reason to because, you know, it's been a, a lot of years now where we really can't trust all these devices and users, even if they're inside the network. But I think now organizations are even more aware of this problem. And what they're trying to implement now, or at least uh, exploring, is zero trust solutions that would not just grant access to anyone automatically just because they are, you know, they have the password or because they are coming from the right device, but looking at everything users are accessing and continuously assessing what these users are doing, what is their trust level, and then based on that, dynamically adjusting the policies, you know, verifying those users with uh, additional authentication or dynamically controlling what they are allowed or, or not allowed to access based on the risk and the trust level. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a, it's a very uh, smart approach, especially in today's environment. But then the challenge becomes, how do you actually implement it? Because organizations have their existing legacy infrastructure, right? It's very difficult for them to just re-architect the entire network. So zero trust is becoming a very interesting idea for a lot of companies, and, and yet, most of them are struggling, you know, how can they actually achieve it? So, yes, there's a very, very large gap between a traditional network, a secure network, Kerberos, you know, that sort of thing versus what you're describing as a zero trust network with a different set of protocols. What are some of the ways that companies are trying to patch one into the other right now? Kind of the, the easiest way for a lot of companies to start from is still the perimeter, which is kind of funny because, you know, if the whole problem is we can't trust the perimeter anymore, it's kind of funny to only focus on that, but it's just an easy place to start. So instead of just having a simple VPN solution that, you know, would just validate your identity once with, you know, maybe a password or, or multi-factor authentication and then just let you do whatever you want inside the network, a zero trust solution would look at you know anything you're trying to access and then basically deciding what should you be allowed to access. Just because you can connect to the network doesn't mean you are you should be allowed to access everything within this network. You know we need to look at who you are. You know how how are you behaving in the network? You know what kind of devices or, or environments you're coming from, and then based on that, making a smarter decision about what should you be allowed to access. So one place organizations start from is, is really the, the perimeter. And some of them are replacing the traditional VPNs with you know, maybe a zero trust proxy. And again, some of the challenges are, as you said, there's a much larger variety of protocols and applications now. So most of these solutions are still pretty limited. They would look at uh, web access, for example, or they would look at remote desktop access. But the reality is much more diverse than that now. We have so many different devices and applications and servers that are using all kinds of different protocols, you know, traditional ones or cloud-native ones. 
uh, we have human users, we have uh, service accounts, you know, machine to machine authentication. The situation is, is really becoming so complex that organizations are, are really only able to cover a very small portion of it, even if they even if they try. So it becomes a big challenge. I personally spent almost a year on a project with a very large enterprise working on modernizing their modernizing their applications. And the challenge was that for the any given solution that we worked on, it, it only worked for a subset of the broad variety of applications that you just described, the broad variety of access methods. So this resonates with with my experience. Yeah, exactly. If, you know, for these large companies, it's it's almost impossible to achieve. I was speaking with uh, a CISO of one of the largest banks in the U.S., and he said, you know, I'm I'm hearing all the time about this zero trust, but listen, I have a huge infrastructure. And it's so diverse, it's so complex, it's changing every day. There's no way I can rebuild the whole thing so that everything goes through zero trust proxies. I mean, no big company is, is you know, really successful at this, uh, you know, without spending an, an enormous amount of efforts. So I think right. organizations are, even though they like the idea, they're also trying to understand, you know, how can we actually achieve it? And not only for a specific use case, not only for web applications or just for remote desktop or this kind of thing, but how can we really achieve zero trust across every access we have, both in the network and outside of the network, uh, without having to just you know rebuild everything or, or just implement proxies everywhere or put agents everywhere, you know, just make zero trust more achievable. Uh, yeah, it's a big it's a big challenge, and uh, and I think the challenge includes a few different things. You know, one is is on the network level, how do you even monitor all these different things, especially the ones that are not even going through a gateway? Because one of the challenges with remote access these days is not only the initial login into the network, I mean, that you can probably protect with a, with a VPN, but then once the user is connected into the network, he can do anything, right? So, and it's not just him, it's you know anyone who has access to his device. So. You know, with so many users connected remotely from insecure locations, insecure devices, we have to assume some of them have malware on their devices. Some of them are, you know, are compromised. So now the user is authenticating into the VPN. And that, that's fine because he's actually trying to connect into, you know, into work. But now the malware that is on his device is also now able to access anything on the network. So how can we make sure, you know, not only the initial login is protected, but also anything the device and the user are then doing inside the network? Uh, just as far as looking across all these different protocols and, and protecting them. And the second challenge, I think, for, you know, for enterprises that are actually going that, that uh, path is how do you build the logic? I mean, even if I would give you a tool that can make a granular decision on who should you know who can access what and what level of authentication do we need? Most organizations would not be able to even build those policies. It, it's too complex. I mean, you need to take every user, understand what does this user have to access for his day-to-day -day work, what doesn't he have to access. We all know it's a big problem, right? Organizations today are, are just letting users access everything because they can't really manage the entitlements. They don't know who needs to access what. So, you know, first is the network uh, side of it. And the second is how do you build the intelligent logic? True that in any project like this, the, the first thing that you tackle is the authentication aspect of it. But 
as you say, the authorization, the access control is far, far more complex. Yeah, I agree. That, that's why a lot of organizations are just starting by, you know, requiring MFA on anyone connecting into the network. And that's a great place to start. I think that's, you know, it already solves some of the big challenges. But then once the user is connected, again, if he has a malware or a ransomware on his device, they can just spread freely across the network now. So we want to restrict what this user can do, and maybe we even want to require additional authentication for you know specific things he's trying to do inside the network that that look more suspicious. So you know maybe he's connected to the network for for a few hours now, but suddenly he's trying to connect to a hundred different falchers, right? So that would not look like what this user is doing typically. We might want to challenge additional authentication for that, but if you only look at the initial login to the gateway. You don't even see those things that the user is then doing inside. Um, so, you know, just being able to look across all these things and make intelligent decisions is difficult. And as you said, the first challenges is how do we even know what to allow for each user? You know, you need, you need a, a lot of knowledge for that, or you need a, a very intelligent self-learning system for that, just to figure yes. out who should be allowed to access what. Uh, without having to just go, you know, employee by employee and figuring out what do they actually need in order to work. So you're talking about a, a behavioral analysis engine that analyzes what and first determines what normal behavior is and then monitors for abnormal behavior? Yeah, I think there are, there are a few steps to achieving this. You know, the first is probably this one, you know, just getting the visibility, getting a unified visibility at what every user is in the organization is accessing, not just, not just uh, a specific type of resources, or not just what applications is accessing that are web-based, and, and not, what, not only what files or data is accessing, but really something consolidated that shows you every, every different type of asset or resource that each user is accessing, and then doing um, an intelligent analysis on this, you know, learning, okay, so this is what this user is doing, you know, so we probably want to use this as a baseline for what this user is, is normally doing. But we actually found this is not enough because users are accessing new resources every day. And that's fine. That, that's part of the work, right? So if we would say that every access to a resource this user never accessed before is a high risk, it will be far too noisy, right? We, we will just have a lot of false uh, positives. And we found that uh, an interesting approach is looking not only at the individual user, but also doing the behavioral analytics on uh, communities or groups of users. So kind of looking at the organizations or, or the, the risk analysis in circles. You know, first of all, when I look at a specific access request that this user is, is trying to, you know, to access a specific application or server or data, how normal is it for this specific user? And then how normal is it for, you know, other users that are maybe from the same community, as we call it, you know, maybe a similar role, right? So if somebody from the HR is accessing a resource that he never accessed before, but maybe other people from the HR team are accessing uh, regularly, maybe that's okay. I mean, maybe it's a medium risk, let's say, but it's not, uh, it's not very weird for him to be doing that. But if he's trying to access something that only the finance team or the IT team are normally accessing, that will be a much higher risk because you're kind of moving between communities now. 
there's actually a great tool for that that is used by attackers, right? Attackers are often using tools like Bloodhound to look at, you know, lateral movement paths in the network. So if I want to get from here to there, how do I do it? You know, I go to this device, then, you know, I can get credentials of this user. This user is part of this group. Then I move to that group and so on. And I think that it's it's something that organizations need to use more on the defense side as well. Because if we can build this graph, why not use it for defense? Why not say, you know, an attacker trying to get from here to there would have to go to these servers or through these accounts. Let's automatically build the security policy so that we put those traps, right, in the places where the attacker would have to go. So if he's trying to hop between different communities, between, you know, kind of get to the shorter path to, to an admin account, for example, uh, you know, why not see that someone is trying to do that and then say, okay, this is a much more suspicious behavior than just, you know, somebody's trying to access a new resource. This this is something that looks like he's trying to to really move laterally across the network. But the difficult thing is, you know, you have to do it in real time in order to actually be effective. Right. So you would be, you're describing sort of a bloodhound way of analyzing normal access so that you know what the normal patterns are and so that you would see an abnormal access pattern and then immediately alert off of it. Yeah, I'm actually, I think that the best way to look at it is kind of correlating the bloodhound approach, which is just looking at what an attacker would do with the graph of what do normal users in the network do based on you know what you can learn just by looking at the logs, right? So if you look across both these graphs, you say, okay, this is what an attacker would do. This is what this normal user is doing every day. Now let's look at every access this user is trying to do and ask, does it look like what the you know this user is, is normally doing? Or does it look more like what an attacker would do in order to move laterally and spread across the network. So if you correlate both these graphs together and you always ask, uh, you know, you use machine learning to ask, does it look like a normal behavior or does it look like somebody might have taken over this account is now trying to, to leverage it and move laterally with it. You can start, you know, creating these, these um, risk parameters that are much more uh, adjusted to the specific user and the specific organization. But then obviously just saying that this is happening is not enough. You need to adjust the authentication and the access policy in real time. And that's what Zero Trust is really about. Not only alerting about something fishy going on, but actually blocking a certain access request or triggering step-up authentication with a two-factor authentication because somebody is trying to do something that maybe he shouldn't. This is intelligent, continuously evaluating access and modifying uh, authentication and uh, identity proofing based on what's being accessed. That's pretty cutting edge compared to what most companies have got going right now. Do you think we're going to be seeing more of this that companies can take advantage of? Is this sort of, is there, is there, are there a lot of companies out there that do this right now? Uh, There are not a lot. We do see this uh, starting to become a, a new trend. And I think that this is where a lot of companies want to go as far as, you know, next generation authentication and access because they understand, you know, they can't use in, in today's environment, they can't use what they've been using for a few decades now, which is just, you know, requiring maybe a password, maybe multi-factor authentication for the initial login to the network. 
organization understand this is not enough now. We have thousands of employees connected from insecure locations, insecure devices uh, to our networks. And who knows what they're, you know, doing with those laptops at home. You know, maybe their kids are using them. Maybe they're, you know, browsing to insecure website or clicking on phishing emails. Can we really trust so many devices that are now connected into our networks to the VPN? So they are, you know, basically it's like they're inside our network now. I think a lot of organizations are trying to take this next step. So I'm, I'm hearing a lot of security teams talking about this as kind of their next big project uh, for security. And I think that they are just looking for a realistic way to achieve that. Again, I think that there are a few things they, they really need to look at to, to make sure they can actually achieve it across a, you know, a big existing enterprise environment. And you know, one is how do we actually monitor and control all of these access without having to re-architect the network or to put proxies and agents everywhere. And the second is you know, once we find a way to monitor all these authentication and access requests in real time, how do we build the intelligent policy that is learning and improving and making real-time decisions based on what these users are doing? And there are a lot of additional complexities to it, right, that we didn't even touch. Like, you know, there's not only human access, you know, there's a lot of also need to protect machine-to-machine access with service accounts and these kind of things. And this is a whole other set of algorithms and, and really cool things you can do to understand this access and there's a way to the question of how do we correlate what's going on on premise with what's going on in the cloud instead of using just siloed solutions just looking at it in, in a unified way there are a lot of things that i think are, are really exciting about this uh, emerging new space um, and i see you know really growing interest from a lot of companies around it I think, you know, this is a really great point, which is, and I hadn't really thought about it this way before, this crisis that we're going through worldwide, in addition to all the pain that it's causing, it is going to uh, accelerate and force a lot of innovation in security that had been played with and people had contemplated and companies had read about and thought, yeah, this would be nice someday. And now someday becomes today or as soon as possible. Yeah, um, I think priorities changing for a lot of companies now. Companies that thought about maybe doing this a few years from now, now the, you know it's the most urgent thing they want to do because they understand you know identity is now the main thing protecting them. They can't really trust the perimeter anymore. You know, it's not like everybody is physically in the office and you only need to protect the you know the the gateway. You need to handle a situation where everybody's connecting from devices that you have to assume some of them are probably compromised. They're coming from the outside. Now your identity becomes the, the thing that really is important to protect. If you can make sure everybody connecting into your network are really who they claim to be and every access they do in the network is really something that they are trying to do and it's not just somebody else that stole their credentials, then you can make sure that you are still secure even in today's uh, remote work situation. Uh, so yeah, I'm seeing this becoming a big priority for, for a lot of companies now. Well, thank you, Ed. This has been a very interesting discussion uh, about you know innovations that are required now that we our environment has so, so dramatically changed in such a hurry uh, and, and some very interesting insights. I uh, very much enjoyed it. Thanks for your time. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. And uh, thank, uh, thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. 
Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com. That's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.